points in the health system. Welcome to the Tippis podcast. The Tippis project. Two recent studies from the Tippis project involving Niklas Bors of the Technical University of Munich and the Potsdam Institute of Climate Impact Research suggest that the West Central Greenland Ice Sheet and the AMOC, which is a name for the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, a system of ocean currents in the Atlantic Ocean responsible for transport of heat to the Northern Hemisphere, that these two systems seem to be approaching tipping points. The crossing of such tipping points would have severe consequences for global sea level rise, northern European temperatures, rainfall in the tropical monsoon systems and the occurrence of extreme weather events. Obviously, such a situation is worrying. So how close are we to tipping events in these important parts of the climate system? Today, Niklas Bors will explain his findings, and I hope this podcast thus will represent an opportunity to understand what the findings of early warning signals of tipping in the Greenland ice sheet and the ocean currents in the northern Atlantic Ocean means, and how alarmed we should be. Welcome, Niklas. Hi. Hi, Henrik. First of all, let's talk about the West Greenland ice sheet, what it is. This is uh, the area of the Greenland ice sheet close to the west coast. Uh, there's a town there, Jakobshavn, I think. Yes, exactly. It's in the central western Greenland. It's not. Um, it should probably be emphasized that it's not a separate ice sheet. It's a part of the Greenland ice sheet, and it just happens to be in the central western part of Greenland. And it is, I think, where we see have seen the largest um, melt and run, meltwater runoff in the in the recent decades. Can you explain what what is a tipping point when it comes to an ice sheet? How should we understand a tipping point in an ice sheet? Let's start uh, sort of in a, in a generic way and then come to the ice sheet. So in general, tipping points can only happen when there is nonlinear behavior. And this I mean, it makes sense of thinking of a equilibrium state of a system as something that is created by the interplay of positive and negative feedback. So accelerating and, and stabilizing feedbacks. And if these feedbacks interplay in a way that then there's some balance, some point where these feedbacks find a balance, and that is the equilibrium state of a system. And now if for some reasons the relative rates of these feedbacks change, then uh, the destabilizing feedbacks might become stronger relative to the stabilizing ones. And that is how we might then lose or eventually lose the stability of the given equilibrium state that the system is in. For the Greenland ice sheet, the one the the feedback that has been discussed most widely is the so-called melt elevation feedback, which is easy to understand if you imagine that let's say the highest parts of the Greenland ice sheet, the surface is around three thousand meter above sea level, and up there it's colder than it would be at the surface. And now, if we have some days in summer where the temperatures in any ways are above zero degrees, then we have melting, and this melting would reduce the height of the of the ice sheet surface and hence expose it to warmer temperatures which would increase the melting and that's one of these positive feedbacks that i just mentioned now on the green ice sheet there's a lot more feedbacks going on there's the albedo feedback basically it's a massive difference whether the upper layers of the ice sheet are are just snow which is white and reflects basically most of the energy back to space or whether this if the snow layer melts and reveals the gray, dark gray ice 
then a much larger fraction of the energy is absorbed by the ice sheet and that leads to more melting. It's the albedo feedback. Then there is also positive destabilizing feedbacks related to the thinning of outlet glaciers, for example. The snowpack, the fern layer, if this fern layer is already melted and there's just bare ice, a much larger fraction of the meltwater just runs off into the ocean, can't refreeze and is hence lost for the mass balance. These are the positive feedbacks that we are scared of. And there is balancing ones, um, mostly related to so the temperature precipitation feedback. So we expect that there will be more snowfall when it's warmer, because there's generally more precipitation expected in a warmer atmosphere. There's also circulation changes related to the um, ice sheet height. So many models show that if we reduce the ice sheet height, then we will have increasing accumulation due to atmospheric circulation changes. So this means that... If we just focus on the melt elevation feedback, then there will be one tipping point. And then beyond that, the, if that is crossed, then there will be basically irreversible further melting until the ice sheet is gone. So driving the temperatures back down won't bring you on the same trajectory to regrowth, regrow the ice sheet, but it will take much cooler temperatures for actually regrowing the ice sheet than it took to destabilize it. Um, but the situation in reality is much more complicated because there are so many different feedbacks at work. And at the moment, we expect that there will be also at lower ice sheet heights, there will be further equilibrium states in addition to the one which appears to be close to losing stability at the moment or in the next decades. So the statement that if we cross this tipping, tipping point, then the Greece-Greenland ice sheet will be lost for sure and there will be seven meters of sea level, that's probably a little bit too simple. I mean, there will likely be intermediate stable points, probably several tipping points, um, but with tipping point, we always mean this critical temperature threshold at which the current equilibrium state loses stability and then there will be accelerated mass loss until we reach the next stable state. Okay, and it's the beginning, you might say. It's the, it's the, it's going down the first step, maybe, on this staircase that we're talking about, that you have found signals of, like early warning signals. Or What, what is it you have found, and, and why do you think the signal that you have found in the data represents the possibility that that this uh, part of the ice sheet is going getting closer to a tipping point? So if the sort of simplified understanding of the ice sheet in terms of a, what we call a dynamical system If that is to some degree accurate, then we can expect that so-called early warning signals that are based on a phenomenon that is called critical slowing down, that they apply also for the dynamics of the Greenland ice sheet. And this critical... What is that, a critical slowing yeah. down? Can that be explained in, in ways of like if you're trying to tip a chair and like, like you're pushing it and it reaches a point where it might tip over, can, can, can some of the um, behavior of the chair, you might say, yeah. explain what you're finding here? For a chair, you can have two situations. You can either just, um, so a chair on four legs, you can shift it a little bit. So what, that would correspond to a change in the mean state. Mm -hmm. But you could also tilt it until, a, until a, some critical threshold. If you tip it over that, then it will just fall down. Mm -hmm. And if, let's say, you have very limited measurements of the chair. So let's say you can only see one part of an, at its top. Then the two situations will actually look very similar. So if you don't see all of the chair, but only a little part of its top, then the just shifting it a little bit to the left or right or tilting it in that direction will look very similar. But from applying small perturbations to the chair on the way while it changes its 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 mean position, 
if you have if, if it keeps standing on its four legs, it basically won't respond to these small perturbations. It will just keep standing there. It's very stable. Nothing will happen. If it's already halfway towards the critical point where it tips, then small perturbations will make it fluctuate a lot more. It will shake around. And this shaking around before you actually reach the critical point, that is essentially what you always what you also expect for um for the Greenland ice sheet. And that is sort of what uh, what we what we traced in this in this in the in the reconstructions of in, in, in this height reconstructions for this for this part of Greenland. Mm-hmm. So that's what you found, like that it's wobbling more. You might say the curve, uh, and, and what what's and, and what is it that is wobbling more here? Is it the, the height of the of the ice sheet, yes. or is it okay? It's the height yes. of it. Yeah. And this, it's the height of the ice sheet. It's wobbling more, and it's taking. So if there is a given perturbation and a given deviation from the equilibrium point, it's taking longer to come back to the equilibrium point. And that is exactly corresponding to this weakening of the restoring forces. Mm-hmm. And that is basically the same as a loss of stability. Okay. So that explains also why you're saying that it seems to be approaching a tipping point because it's becoming, the the, the fluctuations are becoming larger or faster or whatever you're finding. Precisely. Okay. okay. But do we know then when the tipping then will happen? Uh, do we have any idea of that? So in, in theory... Yes, actually, because, but I mean, really only in, in theory and practically, so just up front, practically the answer is no, we don't, we can't really say. In theory, it should be, we, we, we get some hints because we know, so these indicators that, so this critical slowing down, the weakening of the restoring forces, one measure for that is the autocorrelation. The auto, so it's basically you take the system state and you um, see how similar it is to its previous state. And in theory, once this autocorrelation reaches its maximum value, which is one, that should mark the critical point. But that, of course, I mean, that's true for this one-dimensional, super simplified conceptual picture of the Greenland ice sheet. And of course, then if you're looking at the real thing, you shouldn't trust these numbers. And that's why in, in practice, there's so many simplifications, there's so many uncertainties in the data, in the reconstructions in the way that we that we treat the data in the way that we fit a simple model to those data that i don't trust these numbers to say okay so so we are i don't know point something degrees away from the from the tipping point or even give it in years i mean that's just not something that would be serious mm-hmm. but you trust them enough to say that this looks like we're approaching a tipping point yes we have been approaching it that i would say i'm quite certain of It's just saying quantitatively how close we are is very difficult. And probably the best way to do it would be to use a, a, an ensemble of, of ice sheet models and constrain them with what we find in the observations. So basically throw those ice sheet models away that give you um, that simulate behavior that is completely different from what we see in the observations and just keep the ones that are in correspondence with observations and then see what they tell us. That's sort of what we're working on now. So that's one way of using what you found here. What other kind of action do you think that this finding should lead to? Well, in principle, I mean, this is probably true for all these um, so-called tipping elements like the Greenland ice sheet or the AMOC or the, the Amazon. With every kilogram of CO2 and greenhouse gases that we put into the atmosphere, we're increasing the probability that they might exhibit an abrupt transition in the future. So the direct action is, is, is always the same. Reduce greenhouse gas emissions as much as possible, as as quickly as possible. 
you also found signs of approach to a tipping point in the AMOC, which is uh, the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, a rather impossible name, I think, for the system of ocean currents that are responsible for maintaining a relatively mild climate in Western Europe, right? This system is known to have shifted between an active and less active state in the past, leading to colder and warmer climate in Europe and in the Arctic. And we're in the warm phase now, as I understand it. The AMOC is usually not expected to tip unless large amounts of meltwater from the Greenland ice sheet stream into the northern Atlantic Ocean, which is not the situation currently. Regardless of that, do you find signs of the AMOC approaching a tipping point? Yes. So, I mean, again, there's a lot of uncertainties in this, of course, um, because direct observational data for the strength of the AMOC, we only have that for a very few decades. So one has to go back to what we call fingerprints of the AMOC. So the the AMOC as an ocean circulation system in the, in the Atlantic Ocean leaves imprints in the spatial patterns of sea surface temperatures and salinity. And those we have for at least 150 or 120 years. And that then it starts to become possible to do such a search for, for critical slowing down. And that's what I use, these fingerprint indices based on sea surface temperatures and salinities. That gave me those gave me time series. And then I again investigated these time series for signs of increasing fluctuations and of increasing autocorrelation in those time series. And again, there is a statistically significant increase, and that's robust across four different sea surface temperature-based AMOC fingerprints as well as four different salinity-based fingerprints. And yes, it's a bit of a riddle because we wouldn't have expected that the current amounts of meltwater from Greenland would already be sufficient for that. But one has to keep in mind that there is also enhanced precipitation, there's enhanced river runoff. So due to global warming, the whole hydrological cycle accelerates. So there's enhanced river runoff from all these big rivers in Canada and Siberia that feed into the into the Nordic seas and then also into the North Atlantic. There's more precipitation. There's the Greenland ice sheet melt, at least to some part, it will definitely contribute. Um, there's the the Arctic sea ice melt, which I don't know how much that will contribute quantitatively, but all this together seems to have already found its way into the um, AMOC in a way that we can see a si- signs of, of a loss of stability. And and what you see again is like, if we use the, the picture of the chair, it's simply, it's starting to wobble more. And that's, uh, that, uh, that seems to be the sign that it's, that it's getting closer to the tipping point. Do you have any idea of the time perspective in when this tipping point might be met? Not really. So let's, let, I mean, but I can explain why not. What we know is we have moved closer and different models give us very different answers in where the critical threshold actually is. Um, so you, so there's a lot of uncertainty in the models. And then that's why I, I basically carried out this whole observation-based study. Um, but also in the observations, there is uncertainties in the underlying data and the sea surface temperature salinity data. There's uncertainties in translating those to the actual strength of the AMOC, quite large uncertainties. Um, and then, so what is, what is it that controls how close we are? It's the, I mean, as we just explained, it's more, it should mostly be the freshwater influx into the North Atlantic, which depends on temperatures in the Arctic, which are higher than the global mean temperatures because of this phenomenon called Arctic amplification. So the Arctic warms faster than the global mean, um, at which exact rate is also uncertain. Then future global mean temperature rise is uncertain, even if we would know 
the exact greenhouse gas emissions. But then also we don't know what we're going to do in the future. So even the greenhouse gas emissions themselves are highly uncertain. So there's a whole chain of uncertainties. And based on that, I, 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 it's, 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 it's just impossible to say how close we are to the critical threshold of the AMOC. Um, but still the statement is this sort of similar as for the Greenland ice sheet. My results show that we have moved towards that critical threshold. And with every tenth of a degree of warming induced by anthropogenic release of greenhouse gases, we are increasing the probability that it might tip in the future. Mm. So the action again would be to uh, try and keep emissions of CO2 down as much as possible. Exactly. How how alarmed should we be, do you think, of, of these two findings? I'm, I don't... I'm... I, I don't think I'm in a position to tell us how alarmed we should be. I'm my my job is to to provide evidence of how the system, how the Earth system changes, or how these parts of the Earth system change in response to anthropogenic actions. Um, the impacts, if the AMOC would collapse from this re, from the strong current mode to the weak circulation mode, the impacts would be severe. So there would be changes in the tropical monsoon systems, in particular for Western Africa, we expect, um, or it, it, it might be that we go to very almost permanent drought conditions in the West African monsoon system, which would be devastating for the populations and the ecosystems there. There is um, impacts on rainfall in South America that we have analyzed in some detail and, and definitely it will change the rainfall patterns in the South American monsoon region. It will even go as remote as the Indian monsoon will be affected, be all because basically the so a, a collapse of the AMOC would shift this tropical rainfall belt southward and it would change the patterns of extreme events that we know would change sea level at the eastern coast of the US. The, it's, um, it would cool Europe, in particular northern Europe, um, but it would at the same time warm the southern hemisphere at this, I mean, because it's just basically the AMOC redistributes heat. And then if it shuts, shuts down, or if it collapses from the strong to the weak mode, then that redistribution of heat would change. It's not really something that we can estimate well How, how severe these consequences would be, but I guess from what I just said, it's clear it's it's just something we really want to avoid. It should it just it, it can't happen. Hmm. And it would be abrupt transitions. It would be abrupt in a climatological sense. It would probably still take decades, but I don't think that given the consequences that it would have, that those decades would be um, sufficient to to adapt properly. Tips. The TIPIS project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Programme under grant agreement number 820970.